Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark to Life podcast with Beans. Frank will be back in the saddle on Friday, joining us for the first show in a few weeks because of the way the schedules have worked out and all the craziness. But the first thing we need to talk about today is the Iowa primary. And, um, you know, on Monday, I took the last 15 or 20 minutes of the show after we did all of the analysis of the vSafe data that will be coming out to explain to everybody why it was that I personally made the decision to vote for Ron DeSantis in the primary. And, oh, Nelly, did that open up a can of worms? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I've experienced quite a lot in the past couple of days. And it's all okay, I think. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of what I've experienced has been misrepresentation of what I said, um, complete fabrication of what I've said, complete fabrication of what I've said in writing, which is interesting because folks can read it. Um, Ron DeSantis came in second in the Iowa primary, approximately 30 points behind Donald Trump, um, which is it's the results of an election. However, the one thing that I think is super important that we all need to take our biases away and talk about for a minute is the way that this went down. Now, full disclosure, I don't really think that this would have changed the results of the of the caucus. I said primary of the caucus so that DeSantis won just to get that out. I don't think that he would have garnered enough votes to win. Um, I do think it would have changed the results, though. And here is what we say. The AP, Fox News, the New York Times, CNN, whatever network does not get to call a race before it starts. If you're okay with them doing that because it benefited you, please Please reevaluate and then reassess and understand. I was broadcasting live in 2020 from an Arizona studio with GOP chairwoman from Arizona, Kelly Ward, when they called the Arizona election for Joe Biden before they counted a vote. And it is unacceptable. Now, They say, oh, we were using science. And I've seen a lot of people on our side saying, oh, they knew. They knew because they had all the entrance polls. Listen, it's a caucus, guys. Ron DeSantis was giving his speech to his caucus when they called the election for the other person. There were a number of people who went in there undecided. And the point was for people to be able to explain on behalf of the candidate that they are supporting, why it is people should vote for them. It's a process not like going to the polls and pulling a lever. It's different. It if it would have affected people either way, but it did affect votes. And nobody should be okay with that. And I said so. And that was apparently very, very, very big mistake on X to say that. Um... They 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 start voting at seven central time. No, they don't start start voting. And even if they did start voting. Since when do you call an election for someone before people are done voting like at all? And not only that, they called it with 300 votes tallied from one place. If you're okay with that, I beg of you to please understand That it's not good to be okay with it when it benefits you and not okay with it when it doesn't. And I have reported more on election integrity in the past four years, five years than almost anybody on the planet. And I can't be like, oh, well, it benefited Trump. I wouldn't have done that if it benefited DeSantis. I wouldn't have. I would have been like, why are they calling this thing already? Because this is the pattern, you see. So let me just spell something out for you right now. If the the media did this, right, declared Trump the winner and Trump supporters everywhere were, were tweeting about it and thrilled, I'm, I'm sure it's very exciting. I get it. But they were all Trump, the all the networks, all Trump, all Trump, all Trump. Now, 
when Trump was giving his speech, and even yesterday when he had Vivek Ramaswamy with him, the news stations all cut that speech and said that you didn't need to hear it. Don't worry about it. So understand what the media is doing. They're playing everybody again, but this time they're using your emotion to do it. And you guys really, everybody, all of us have to take that emotion out and understand we cannot allow this to happen again. And they're doing it. The media, I know it's going to drive. They don't like Trump. They don't they don't want Trump to be president. The media doesn't have any faith. Even Fox News, it's all nonsense for money, ratings, whatever. And also because they want him to be the nominee. I know that that bothers people, but it's true. They they do. Otherwise, there's literally zero explanation for them calling it before anything happened. It was wrong. It was wrong. That was my biggest problem. Um that was my biggest problem with Monday. We'll never really know what the real numbers were. Trump obviously won. I'm okay with that. And I also said, that's not changing my decision. I'm not voting for somebody because I think they're going to win the primary. I'm voting for somebody because they represent a value set that I want in, a, in, in an issue vertical. That's why I'm doing it. Everybody can hate me for that if they want because I have to be true to myself I've never lied to you guys about anything ever, and I'm certainly not going to start pussyfooting around, excuse my French, how I feel just because I'm I'm scared of the mob, which is nasty. And it's just, it is what it is, guys. As a matter of fact, um, when I hear, I have a quick other point to make about this. So that you guys understand what's going on, I want to show it to you. Here we go. Let's let's play this real quick. Uh, Major, it's been a very interesting night. They just finished uh, voting. This was a room in favor of Nikki Haley, overwhelmingly so. Ron DeSantis second, Donald Trump a distant third. The most interesting development of the evening, and Anthony Salvanto will, will find this to be very interesting indeed. They had 50 forms for people who wanted to register tonight or switch their party registration. They ran out of those forms. Members of the caucus team here had to run out to multiple people's homes to get printer paper and get their printers fired up. They printed another 25 or so sheets of paper. They estimate about 75 people were new registrations or switched their registration from Democrat to Republican in order to play in this caucus tonight. And I think that's a big reason why Nikki Haley uh, was lifted up. You're getting a little noise here as they clean up. Uh, was so uh, impressive in this particular outing. If she can repeat that, because we're talking about 20% of the vote here, thereabouts, give or take, uh, were new registrations or crossovers. And that is above the typical rate. You see estimates about 10% in a typical open caucus. So if she can outperform in counties like this one, at caucus sites like this one, then that bodes well for her ability to have a strong second, which of course is what her campaign. So the only people voting for Nikki Haley are crossover Democrats, plain and simple. And I want everybody to remember what a terrible, terrible candidate Nikki Haley is from here until the end of time. She's terrible. She's just terrible. You couldn't. You, you, I would, it's really terrible how bad she is. So New Hampshire is the same way for the most part. The game is afoot. The primary game is afoot, guys. Um, I just hope everybody, I, I, I was fired up this morning. I, 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 like I have this, I have this. Let me see. I um I can't find it now. But I tweeted and I said, guys, this isn't okay. No matter who you support, it's not okay. And the comments, the comments underneath it are so terrible. I said, you can shit all over me in the comments if you want, because I knew it. And people did. Really, really, really horrible stuff. Like, I just wish that people could take a moment, come from the head where they're very, very evil and nasty and move into their hearts. 
and just work from there across the board. We are a lot of very vengeful, hateful people right now. And it's not okay. Um, and just for the record, I want everybody to know um, that when my house burnt down a couple years ago, I never would have been able to rebuild my home and get my family into a home that they could call home again without the generosity and love from so many people out there. It was overwhelming. It changed my life. I have said this so many times now. It changed my life. Um, it changed my life. It changed me as a person. It changed my life. And there is a very, a, a, a very vocal contingency of people out there who are saying stuff like this. I'm going to say something right now. If I had known back then that accepting that kindness from people was contingent upon buying my loyalty or opinion off, I would have declined every single donation. If it came with the condition that you need to believe like I believe forever or else you're a grifter and I don't like you, I would have declined it. I never would have accepted it. Um, Never. I wouldn't have done it. I'm not for sale. I'm not for sale. I'm probably one of the very few people out there that's not for sale. Trust me when I tell you. There are a lot of people who have been bought that are telling you what you want to hear because they've been bought. I've never accepted a dime from any politician or any, any, never. I'm not for sale. So if you donated to my GoFundMe because you wanted me to be a mouthpiece for whatever you think and believe, you made a mistake. But I didn't know that that was a condition when I accepted your kindness. So I don't expect for it to be slapped in my face now, two and a half, three years later. So stop with the grifter MAGA bought her house bullshit, okay? I wasn't aware of the conditions when I accepted. Um, and I would never do that. I would never, I would never donate to somebody to help them with something and then call them names after the fact. You don't give that way. At least I don't give that way. I give when I give with no expectation other than I'm giving to help I don't expect anything in return. And I'm not sure why there's this growing contingency of people all over the internet who think that it's okay to take the biggest tragedy my family's experienced and shove it back in my face as though you have a one-up and a virtue signal on me. It doesn't work. It makes you look disgusting, hurtful, harmful, and petty. And I, if I would have known your contingencies, I wouldn't have taken your kindness. So I just want to let you know I wasn't a part of that contract and I never would have accepted that contract if I knew it had a stipulation such as that. Now, moving on, let's talk about this J6 issue. I wanted to play this entire thing today and I think I will. This is so important. Um, one of the reasons that we were blacklisted everywhere is because we accurately reported on January 6th. I mean, Wendy, Wendy Mahoney for Uncover DC has done an absolutely amazing job covering this, this debacle, this, this terrible tragedy from the beginning to the end. Okay. And it is, um, there have been a number of people who really dedicated themselves to this cause. And this video is about seven minutes, but I really do think that we should play it and we should watch it and we should understand what it means and we should make it a forefront on, on how we move forward together because they lied. They lied. And credit to the Blaze for being brave enough to take this on. I think that that's a big deal. Um, let's watch this together. Everybody, um, everybody gather around just real quick hot august in the chat says we're losing our country that's why people are upset agreed i share in that uh i share in that i do i've been fighting for this country um as an activist for 20 something years i'm too emotional no no i'm not you're not allowed to be emotional about losing the country if i'm not allowed to be emotional about it either 
It doesn't, it doesn't go one way, dude. Okay? It doesn't. You want to see me emotional? I can give you some emotion. This isn't emotional. Sorry to say. Here we go. Let's watch this. Another big win for our DOJ prosecutors. The biggest sedition trial in America in 80 years. The highest profile trial to date related to the January 6th attack. The Justice Department has rested its case in the seditious conspiracy trial against Oath Keepers founder, Stuart Rhodes, and four of his associates. The story of David Lazarus on January 6th is very simple. Lawyers for Stuart Rhodes and four other members of the Oath Keepers on trial have suggested that the group helped Officer Harry Dunn. Dunn just took the stand and said flat out, quote, they didn't. Sentenced to four years in prison. Sentenced to eight and a half years in prison. Sentenced to 12 years in prison. Sentenced to 18 years in prison. His story that day is he was assisting the evacuation of the Senate at the time that the incident between Officer Harry Dunn and the Oath Keepers began. Outside of the rotunda, there was Harry Dunn. He's a Capitol Police Officer. He was freaking out. I mean, he was screaming. Oh, get the f out of here! He had a, a in keeping them off of him. Don rejected the defense's argument that members of the militia protected him. I don't conflate my story. He had two separate FBI interviews which were in conflict with one another. In the first FBI interview, he actually gave a favorable story about his encounter with the four oath keepers. And he stood in front of Harry Dunn for almost six minutes. After he was brought in for his second FBI interview, he changed that story. He was fighting back insurrectionists across the Capitol while being called the vilest racist names. So what they did is they brought in another officer, special agent David Lazarus, to kind of bolster that story and give it more credibility by saying that when he arrived at the top of those stairs, that he saw Dunn standing at the top of the stairs being hassled by these Oath Keepers. At the time the Harry Dunn Oath Keepers encounter began, he was not in the same building. Lazarus was just not there. He could not have seen, he could not have witnessed what was taking place because Lazarus was in another Senate office building across the street from Constitution Avenue. So we were able to track Lazarus on the Capitol CCTV cameras. Lazarus can be seen moving away from the Capitol building through a lower tunnel at 2.37.59 p.m. Lazarus continues moving toward the Senate office buildings at 2.41.49 p.m. During Officer Lazarus's October 31st trial testimony, he stated that he began his return to the Capitol building after hearing shots fired over Capitol Police radio. That occurred at 2.43 p.m. Here, Lazarus can be seen moving back toward the Capitol at 2.45 p.m. Dunn's encounter with the Oath Keepers began at 2.44 and lasted roughly between five and six minutes. Here, Lazarus finally emerges from the tunnel back to the Senate side of the Capitol building at 2.48. Dunn falsely testified that Lazarus was already at the location where he encountered the Oath Keepers before he arrived. But Lazarus can be seen at the top of the elevator leading up from the tunnel at 2.48 p.m. on the Senate side of the Capitol, over four minutes after Dunn encountered the Oath Keepers on the House side. I don't conflate my story. Lazarus then continued to move through a lower level of the Capitol on the Senate side of the building at 2.49 p.m. Dunn's encounter with the Oath Keepers is almost over by now. But Lazarus testified that he saw Dunn in an antagonistic conversation with the Oath 
keepers three or four times. The Capitol Police officer who just took the stand in the Oath Keepers trial blew a hole in one of the defense's theories. Starting to restore my faith in the Justice Department. Finally, they're charging people with the sedition we saw with our own eyes on live TV. Lazarus can still be seen in the Senate side of the building at 2.50 p.m. At 2.52 p.m., Lazarus can be seen continuing his progression toward the House side of the Capitol. The four Oath Keepers are no longer standing a line between Officer Dunn and those contentious protesters as they had moved into the rotunda and began heading toward the east doors to exit the building. At 2.54 p.m., Lazarus continues moving toward the House side of the Capitol. He is still one level down from where Dunn and the Oath Keepers encounter had already concluded minutes earlier. At 2.56 p.m., Lazarus is still one floor below and is still not arrived at the staircase where he claimed to have seen Dunn's encounter with the four Oath Keepers. By this time, those Oath Keepers had already left the rotunda and are about to exit the east doors. Finally, at 2.56, Lazarus can be seen reaching the bottom of the staircase, at the top of which he claimed to have witnessed Dunn's very antagonistic interaction with four Oath Keepers three or four times while rescuing 11 or 12 of Pelosi's staff from their offices. The problem with that is it just never happened. He was then shown in court a video clip of four Oath Keepers standing in front of Dunn. Lazarus was asked, are these the individuals you observed? He said, yes, that's the ones that I saw Harry Dunn with. Except that he couldn't have because he was in another building a quarter of a mile away. These are videos that were never released to the defense attorneys. This is our government not getting it wrong. No. This is our government setting American citizens up, withholding evidence that's exculpatory, sentencing them to long sentences. This is as bad as it gets. It clearly was important to prosecutors. They wanted to set an example. This should rock the Capitol Police. We received messages from our sources at the DOJ in Washington that they were quote unquote terrified of this story. Additionally, I have a screenshot of an internal email passed between Capitol Police leadership. They were concerned about the traction that that story was getting. It's something for us to keep an eye on and see if it develops or not. Now, this is interesting about the Capitol Police that they're more worried about the traction of their story than they are worried about the lie that their special agent told on the stand in the Oath Keepers trial. As we continue the process of peeling back the layers on this particular story, we're going to find evidence of who set this up and who put those two officers on the stand because I don't believe for a moment that Harry Dunn and David Lazarus got together in the middle of that staircase that day on January 6th and hatched this story. So there are people rotting away in jail, rotting away in jail because those two men lied on the stand. But as Steve Baker says, it's a much bigger story than that. It's a much bigger story than that. And this is why this is this is one of the things that I keep on trying to say to everybody about cooler heads and cooler hearts. Everything is being weaponized politically right now. Okay, I have a problem with this because the truth gets lost when that happens. Did some people do bad things on J6? Absolutely. But this isn't okay. This is a wide-ranging conspiracy that goes way up the chain to try to use January 6th to, you know, classify an entire swath of people, an entire swath of patriotic Americans as terrorists and domestic extremists to then advance an agenda like we've seen advanced over the past four or five years now and politicizing that event no matter who you support whether you're a DeSantis supporter or a Trump supporter is helpful to nobody rotting away in jail right now or the rest of the people 
being caught up in this weaponization um, of the justice system. It's 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 we're walking, we're marching ourselves to our own demise by doing this. This politicization. They did this with pedophilia. They politicized pedophilia. Like we as as much as we and I'm guilty of this too sometimes emotionality gets the best of you and you 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 march to a different drum and you're not using your your long term thinking to guide your decision making. And truthfully, we are being played like a bunch of fools right now. That needs eyes. And that's why I played the entire thing. That's not my work. I don't give a sh. That is important. There are, these people have families. They're being used as, as examples. The prison sentences being doled out to these gentlemen are insane. And completely, completely unfair. I watched that, um, I'm, I'm going to forget the name of it, but I watched another documentary about J6 that Wendy was a part of helping to create and it was really a very very unbiased straightforward look with a timeline of what happened when um and it's got millions of views it's it was very very well done it made me very angry for so many different reasons one of the reasons that I was angry was because there were a lot of people who arrived at the scene in the very beginning who did really stupid things because emotion got the best of them in the situation. Or they were just bad people, or they were put there to do those bad things. And we'll never really know who those people are exactly and what they did um, and why they did it. But it was a powder keg just waiting to explode. And anybody that politicizes that powder keg to advance a narrative for themselves is... Just, it's just not okay. These people need justice. And we all need justice for what happened on January 6th. It's really important. It's not a, oh, you know, um, these these supporters, these Trump supporters are bad people because look what they did on January 6th. Um, starting January 7th, we were on this story as scary as it was to cover because it's it's a tragedy that happened and the the you know the repercussions from that tragedy will probably be felt for quite some time um we need to stop we need to stop politicizing everything for our own gain uh and i've seen a lot of people do that and i just it makes me sad to see because it's important we get this information out. So I'm going to put the link to that video in the show notes. Um, the show notes, for those of you who don't know, if you're listening on an audio podcast, below your podcast, you'll see a box where you can find all of the links that I talked about that are of, you know, importance. And then in Rumble, if you're watching live on Rumble or Getter, you'll be able to find or, um, and, you know, you can go to UncoverDC.com. Later this afternoon, the podcast is posted. Uh, you can find the links there. The Rumble video gets updated by Miss Sharon with the Rumble links right after the show's done, after I make my little list. And you'll be able to find that video. Um, and they're going after Baker, too. So this is this is something. Um, moving Moving on from there to another really super interesting story. This is weird. I don't know. Um, the San Diego, we had that gentleman pass away, uh, Musser, um, Alec Musser. And the news story that came out was from his fiance, who said, he was suffering from a severe case of COVID and believes he died from the illness. They were He was vaccinated and boosted. Okay. But yesterday, the San Diego County Medical Examiner's Office report said that he died by an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound to the abdomen. His death is ruled as suicide. Here. Oh, 
that's just a clip. I thought there was a video clip of him. That's just the movie clip. Um, TMZ reported that his fiance woke up and found him slumped over on the bathroom floor with a gun. It was it was COVID a day ago. He had COVID really bad and he died and he was vaccinated and boosted. And now all of a sudden he shot himself in the abdomen and she didn't hear it or know about it when she get something is very strange about this story. As a matter of fact, it was on TMZ yesterday and I was like, wait a second. That doesn't make much sense. Hold on. They had it yesterday. I didn't have it up. Come on. It was just yesterday. How many how many celebrity drama nonsenses could there be in 24 hours? Seriously. Bear with me a moment. Must be nice to only have to cover this nonsense. Seriously. Ooh, who's selling their home? Alec Baldwin. Yay. Wow, this is pretty crazy. Anyway, basically, here it is. Here it is. All my children star Alec Musser died by suicide shotgun to the chest, cops say. The nature of his death is gruesome. The San Diego County Medical Examiner's Office tells TMZ the All My Children star was discovered dead last Saturday by his fiance at their uh, Del Mar, California home. And according to the report provided, it says he suffered an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. We're told his fiance went to bed Friday and awoke the next day to find him slumped over on the bathroom floor with a firearm. 911 was called. When paramedics arrived, he was confirmed deceased. They note the firearm that was used was a shotgun. TMZ broke the story as fiance Paige confirmed his passing to us this past weekend, but didn't elaborate at the circumstances at the time. She later took the social to social media to remember her partner as the best fiance I could ever ask for. Very, 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 very weird. I don't I don't even know what to make of that. I'm going to keep my eye on it, though. Um, before we get into the next portion of things that I wanted to show you today, the market triumphs. Malay manages to improve rent prices with deregulatory measures. Well, you don't say. One of the most important measures from Argentine President Javier Malay, the repeal of the rental law, is already generating positive effects in the real estate market, which under previous administrations was heavily regulated. The supply of apartments has been extremely scarce, but now it's doubled, going from 400 to 800 units, with prices falling by 20%. Oh, I love it, love it, love it, love it so much. Love it so much. The newspaper's report details the greatest supply of units, together with the possibility of freely negotiating a contract between the parties, which was impossible with the regulations, had a direct impact on the drop in prices, the free market comes through for the win. <sighs> Rental prices reduced 30% due to the due to the free market. Score one for the free market. Um <laughs> I'm going to be following that very closely. Because never before have we ever been able to see this in practice the way we'll probably be able to see it in Argentina. Um, it's going to be grand. It's going to be grand. Okay. So now we're hearing a lot everywhere about disease X. We're hearing about the measles. We're hearing about Davos. And we're hearing about the... Um, the deadly coronavirus that's been engineered to kill mice 100% of the time with their eyes turning white before they die. We're hearing a lot about that. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, one of the, the 
proper, I think, narratives coming out about this disease X discussion that's being had at Davos is, you know, you've got a population of folks who've been vaccinated, 73% of them, as we talked about on Monday, whose immune systems are just not capable of handling things the way normal God-created immune systems are. And so one of the things that people are saying, as a matter of fact, uh, Alex Jones and Infowars did an entire video on this. It's about five minutes long. Is that, you know, um, that's, that's here. Let's, let's just watch some of this. Uh, there's an incorrect fact in here. There's an incorrect fact in here about Anthony Fauci removing the restrictions on the FDA to get the vaccine through. That is incorrect propaganda, unfortunately, in this Alex Jones video, was not Anthony Fauci that did that. It was not. I hate when people lie about things. I hate propaganda. I despise propaganda, no matter who it benefits. It bothers me. But we'll play it anyway. Here we go. It began with utilizing COVID hysteria. Dr. Fauci blew up the age-old regulatory process for testing new vaccines in order to bring in a host of DNA-altering technology. COVID has since been proven to have been created in a lab. Disease X is lab-driven from the outset. Decades of researching human genes in mice and other animals and the discovery of ancient diseases have resulted in the World Economic Forum nonchalantly predicting that disease X with a 100% kill rate could spread across the world in as little as 36 hours, killing upwards of 80 million people. Research has been ongoing at the UK's high-security, state-of-the-art facility in Porton Down. Let's just stop for a second. Eighty million people. And then guess what would happen? It would stop. A disease with a hundred percent kill rate cannot pro- proliferate throughout the population, which is why when everybody came out with the Dave with the uh, Marburg stuff, I was one of the only people along with a handful of other epidemiologists from COVID saying Marburg will not spread through the population the way they're making it seem because it's too deadly. You need a host to survive if you're a virus. Not like viruses have a uh, consciousness or anything, but you understand what I'm saying. So 100% kill rate on a virus will not last very long. It It just won't. Anyway. Where a threat list grows of animal viruses capable of infecting humans. Meanwhile, the United States Congress is pushing the bio research bill HR 3832 to further U.S. labs' research of disease X. Disease X represents far more than a pandemic of untold mass death. Disease X allows the pharma billionaires behind it to become trillionaires. Now, disease X, um, I've been teaching this sort of thing pretty well full-time since 1990 and um, I'd never heard of this disease X so I looked at some of my books because when I wrote my book I couldn't remember putting it in so it wasn't in there but so it must be a new disease it's a virus we don't know yet but we do know it's out there but the video I was doing yesterday was examining a particular virus Uh, that was uh, experimentally used to infect mice, caused a disease of the brain. And uh, at at the end of the study, none of the mice at the end of the study were alive anymore. And that virus, my understanding from reading of the paper, was it had been, it evolved in cell cultures in a laboratory. So as a result of going through cell cultures in a laboratory, the function of the virus had uh, had been increased. So is the next pandemic really preventable? (laughs) Funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation supported CEPI to invest $1.2 million in a startup to create under-the-tongue vaccine wafers for needle-free vaccines against disease X, while simultaneously allowing the World Health Organization's pandemic treaty to reach into sovereign nations and bypass their government. It's very, very doom and gloom. Probably very well documented. We've done a lot of work on CEPI. We've done a lot of work on the WHO, the WHO. 
done a lot of work on Bill and Melinda Gates and what their plans are. You're going to probably not like what I'm going to say, or maybe this will bring you some peace. Every single one of us at some point is going to die. And if you believe what I do, we're going to go someplace absolutely magnificent when we do. And there are some things that our fear and our desperation will only feed. And this is one of those things. We, living our daily lives, have no control over what some crazy-ass scientists are doing to bioengineer viruses in a laboratory somewhere across the world or right in our own backyards. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even enter our experience on a daily basis. We don't see it. We do not see the hidden laboratory in a trailer somewhere in California. It doesn't enter our experience. I would encourage everybody to continue living their life as though this does not enter your experience. Do not, under any circumstances, in my opinion, let something like this consume you. Do I say we just sit back and do nothing? No. What I say is we counter this absolute doom and gloom scenario that's being thrust upon us right now with love and joy. Because when you are feeling love and joy, this does not enter your experience. Live your life every day. We're here to have fun. We're here to be, we're here to be experiencing this life and having fun and loving each other and being kind. And, and that's what our experience is meant to be. And one of the things I've always said from the very beginning of when I, I've ever done anything, the only way that somebody can take your freedom from you is if you let them. You are a free-thinking individual who has choices in front of you every single day. And none of us, in my opinion, should choose to give our freedom away to someone else. And this is not worth your joy today or tomorrow. We have control over literally this moment right now. Live it to the fullest. Live it to the fullest. Do what brings you passion. Do what brings you joy. Live your life to the fullest. Do not let this consume you. Do not let what a bunch of people who some people are just granting their power to. You're just giving your power away to them by allowing this to come into your experience in a way that affects your everyday. Um, They don't have any power over you if you don't give it to them. So don't give it to them. Just like those of us who um, understood what they were doing with the masking and social distancing and all of that and the, the mandatory jabs, a lot of people realized that. Some people realized it but made other decisions and that's okay if those decisions were okay for you. But you do not give away your freedom ever. It's your choice to give away your freedom or not. Don't do it. Don't give them power over your everyday life. Don't give them power over your joy. Keep your joy. So important. Even if you're pissed off for 90% of the day, find 10% of the day to be joyful about something, about anything. Think about living your best life. If you could have a, spend 10 minutes in the morning. Just try this every day for a week and come back to, this isn't a homework assignment. If this doesn't work for you, please come back and let me know it didn't work. You're an idiot. In the morning time, when you open your eyes, take about five to 10 minutes and just imagine what your perfect day would be. If you could do anything you wanted today, what would it be? Really visualize that and then go about your day. Then go about your day. Don't fall victim to just voluntarily giving yourself away to doomsday scenarios. I'm not saying that they're not plotting something, they're not planning something. I'm not. But I, I don't find the benefit in, in um, freaking out and, and stressing and raising your cortisol levels to the point where you're losing your mind over something that you have literally, you don't know what the hell's going on. We don't know what the hell is going on. We don't know. It could be the measles story. 
which I have an interesting post here about the benefits of having measles. <laughs> it's super interesting. Study backed. That's my thoughts on disease X and all of this talk out of Davos and everything else. Do something fun today. Go out and do something kind for somebody with no contingencies. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point? Um, that's what I would do. You know what I'm going to do right now? I have a couple other stories like the title of the show with Ozempic. Um, George Santos here. I'll start talking about the George Santos um, story. I had a little piece on LDL for everybody health-wise, but we'll start with the Ozempic experience. Here's his before. Here is his after. He lost a significant amount of weight on Ozempic. Um, I'm going to open up the phone lines. I'm going to start up Skype. I'll open up the phone lines. If anybody wants to call in and have a nice little talk today with me, you are more than welcome to do it. I'm happy to talk to you guys. Um, I'll give you the number in just a second. If Skype ever starts, am I even starting the right Skype? That's the question. Um, so George Santos took Ozempic. He says the cool part, he says in January of 2022, I weighed in at 358 pounds. I decided I needed to change my life and engaged a doctor who put me on an Ozempic regimen. By election day, 2022, I weighed in at 248 pounds, making a 110-pound weight loss using Ozempic, which is a diabetes medicine. Come on. There we go. Okay. Here's the number. 803 580-5165 uh, if you want to call in and say hello. Um, yeah, so he lost 100-something pounds. He had mild nausea in the beginning. He controlled by taking another medication. Eventually, the effects of nausea no longer impacted me unless he went on a plane or spent a lot of time in a car. All in all, he suspended Ozempic in 2023. He gained 30 pounds throughout the year. Taking into consideration his personal stuff, it was a real crazy year for him. The cool part is he says he's no longer pre-diabetic and he's back on the drug since last week and he's dropped seven pounds in a week. Oh. We have a call. Good morning. Good morning, Tracy. Who is this? Oh my goodness. I, I'm a first-time caller. I listen to your show all the time. My name is Delicia. I'm day-by-day um, uh, day Yeska. And I agree with everything you and Frank say. I've been listening to Frank as well for a while. And we do need to be emotional. We need to take our country back. These people are taking it, and they don't have the right. No, they, they don't. You're absolutely right. Um, there's a lot of very... We haven't been taught. No, no. There's a lot of emotional people about a lot of different things. And, and I think... You know, that's that's a lot of why we see like this heated, heated reaction between folks. Oh, yeah. And and what is people what do they expect? We're going to vote harder because you can't. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wish that we would have and a lot of people did focused more on fixing this, like all that money that was raised. Where is that money? I want to know. Well, and even besides that, they've been stealing our money for years and they're eliminating the very people that even give them the money. Yeah. So, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I, I agree. But, if you, but with petitions, I mean, they don't have the right. They have to lie to us to get us to give away our rights, just like you said, with the parasite of, oh, we're too Christian, we're too white, we're too conservative. We're, we have too many rights for them. That's the problem, because they don't have rights. We gave them whatever rights they have. Yeah, because our rights come from God, last I checked. Yep. And we that's what makes us so special. We have a constitutional republic. This ain't no democracy. It's not no mob rule 50 plus one. I agree with you. I agree and with you. And the Florida Bar is a sham. It's a British accredited registry. 
Say again? British Accredited Registry. Oh, no. I mean, what did you say before that? The bar. It's a sham. Oh. It's precedent. The case law. It's all to get us away from the Constitution. We can petition them at any time and make them do their job. They have to. I mean, they're they're there to work for us. And I think somewhere along the way, we really forgot that we're their boss. Like, well, yeah, because they slowly poisoned us with these parasites of propaganda through. Remember when we were little, it was called an information war. Well, it really is. Yep. A hundred percent. Yes. And everybody's falling victim to it. I have someone yep, because they forget we we our forefathers knew all of this was going to happen. That's why we we declared our independence away from the king. But they just dug their heels in and said, oh, well, we'll just wait till another generation forgets. Uh, and this immigration, if it is not for the people, it is against the Constitution, period. Amen. You're fantastic. I will say one thing, though. You said you yes. agree with everything I say. There's got to be something you you don't agree with. Well, I'm not Catholic. <laughs> Uh, but I but I am a Christian. I believe in the gospel and I believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe we're all getting back that we're going back to basics. Amen. I do, too. I do, too. I, I don't, have a lot of hope. I do, too. And I wish that I wish that we could feel more of that amongst us as a collective. Maybe we can well, if we... we need to be we need to be gathering. We need to bring our churches back up to speed. We're supposed to be talking about these things in a public forum. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we have the right to do that. And when we tried, they're trying to make them all um, enemies when they're the ones that are rebelling against our country. Well, they've got the uh, F F the they've got the FBI out in the parking lot too. So, well, know. they're they're unconstitutional too, for that matter. <laughs> I um I have some another call coming in. I really appreciate you but calling. I love you. I love you I too. I love you. I love I can't you too. I went through. <laughs> I'll Have a wonderful day. Okay, you too, hon. God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. Yeah, there was like some anonymous call coming in over and over and over and over and over. And I'm so excited to see what this is. A little nervous, but so excited. Um, here. Good morning. Oh, hello. Uh, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I just had something to say in regards to um, the free market um, and uh, the rental uh, story that you reported on. Yeah, please do. Well, five ants rented an apartment with another five ants, and now they're tenants. <laughs> I hope you have a great day. I love you. <laughs> you Bye. too. Bye. <laughs> Amazing. That's where I'm ending it today. That's where I'm ending it today. Five ants rented an apartment with another five ants, and now they're ten ants. It. I'm done. You have been listening to the Dark Delight podcast with Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2:30 Eastern Time on every podcasting platform, or Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning streaming live on Rumble, Getter, and X. We have the best people in this in this in this crew. I love you guys. Have a fantastic day, and we will be back on Friday with Frank. <laughs>